Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Canon Breaks can be a hard pill to swallow in Star Trek, and there are so many different examples of things changing throughout the franchise. Gene Roddenberry was selective when it came to what was and what wasn't lockdown lore. He initially didn't count there to be an ongoing continuity between the original series and the next generation, not to mention the animated series, meaning that rules could simply change as he saw fit. With that in mind, I'm Sean Ferrick for Trek Culture, and here are 10 times Star Trek broke its own rules. 10. The Romulan Battlecruiser. The Enterprise Incident. The issue actually occurs due to production timelines. The Howard Anderson Company were tasked with the visual effects for both this episode and Elan of Troyes, both which featured the D7 battlecruiser. This episode was written to tell the story of the Pueblo incident, in which an American crew were taken prisoner and held for almost a year accused of espionage after wandering into North Korean waters. Thus, this episode was aired first. The D7 class was a Romulan vessel, rather than a Klingon one in terms of appearances. Spock does note that the Romulans are using Klingon designs now, but this is something of a gaffe in the schedule, really. 9. James T. Kirk versus James R. Kirk This has got to be one of the more well-known issues with an established fact. In Where No Man Has Gone Before, Gary Mitchell ascends to godlike powers after coming into contact with the Great Barrier. More on that one later. Unable to allow him to continue down this path due to the danger he poses, Kirk plots to bring Mitchell to a far-off world and maroon his old friend there, keeping him safely away from any other human life. This goes about as well as you'd expect, and the two men end up facing off against one another. In the foray, Mitchell presents Kirk with his own grave, bearing the name James R. Kirk. Over the years, they've attempted to explain this away by saying that Mitchell simply made a mistake. But the fact is that the animated series was the first mention of Tiberius being Kirk's middle name, confirmed later in Star Trek VI The Undiscovered Country. As Mitchell was the only one who ended up in the grave, it's best just to think about it as a nickname for this once great man. 8. The Size of the Milky Way the premise of Star Trek Voyager is that the ship is hurled 75,000 light years away from the Federation, which means it will take them the better part of a century to get home. Thus begins their 75-year exodus back to the Alpha Quadrant. However, they should have checked their history books, because the original USS Enterprise could cover vast distances in a fraction of the time. The first example comes in the second pilot, where no man has gone before. In this episode, the barrier that surrounds the edge of the universe is reached in a matter of minutes by the ship, though of course various hijinks ensue. 
Later, in Star Trek V The Final Frontier, the USS Enterprise A makes the journey to the centre of the galaxy, again in a fraction of the time it takes Voyager to get home. Either Starfleet managed to regress its warp technology by the time that the Intrepid-class ship was launched, or the writers hoped the audience would just quietly forget these earlier incidents. 7. No unauthorised phasers. This one's a little up in the air, while at the same time really obvious. In Star Trek VI The Undiscovered Country, Valeris fires a phaser to remind Chekhov that no one can fire an unauthorised phaser on a starship. In the same film, two crewmen are killed by phaser fire with the phaser set to stun at close range. If we take then that the rule to stun is fine, but the maximum setting isn't, why was this rule abandoned going into the next generation, when there are multiple instances of phasers being fired without any alarms going off, for example when Lore shoots Dr. Crusher in Data Lore, or on Voyager when the ship is repeatedly invaded? For the latter, perhaps intruder alerts circumvent these alarms seems a pretty poor design flaw, really. As it stands, it looks like this hard and fast rule, given such an excellent depiction in Star Trek VI, stands out from the established canon of the franchise, though, for the safety of the crews out there, it is perhaps a rule they should bring back and enforce. 6. Scotty's Memories In Star Trek Generations, Captain Kirk is presumed killed while on board the USS Enterprise 1701B during the mission that saw it encounter the Nexus. He rushes to Deck 15 to engage the deflector dish, suggested by Scotty, and succeeds in freeing the ship. Then, a vicious energy tendril catches the section he is in, ripping away the outer hull and sucking him into the phenomenon. Scotty, Harriman and Chekhov gather on Deck 15, solemnly realising the loss of a great man. In the years following this, Scotty boards the USS Genolan en route to his retirement. It encounters a Dyson Sphere, crash lands, and he comes up with the genius idea of hiding in the transporter buffer while a rescue mission is mounted. He is saved, though it's decades later, by the crew of the Enterprise. Upon hearing this, he delightedly exclaims that Jim Kirk himself must have taken the old ship out to save him. Several issues here. In the show, forgetting the event of the Enterprise B's maiden voyage seems like a hell of a thing to forget. It's possible that the decades spent in suspended animation may have contributed to this. Behind the scenes, however, both Star Trek Generation and Relics were written by Ronald D. Moore. This, unfortunately, seems to speak to someone not checking their notes before penning the second script. 5. The Klingon Language Mark Leonard, better known for playing Sarek in the original series and the later films, appeared on screen in 1979 as the captain of one of the three Klingon Kikinga-class battlecruisers that are zapped out of existence by V'ger. In these scenes, he speaks a Klingon dialect that was originated by James Doohan and then later expanded into a full language by linguist Mark Ockrand. This is generally accepted as the canon language for these ridge-headed aliens. Ronald D. Moore, who is the Klingon guy in Star Trek, he wrote many of the best Klingon episodes, has said that one shouldn't hold up a dictionary while listening to the Klingon language as it's being spoken in his episodes. He says that whether or not they use the official language is up to the writer, as jotting it down word for word is quite cumbersome. This may have been somewhat dismaying for Ockrand to hear. I mean, developing a language is hardly the easiest job in the world. 4. The Romulan Cloaking Device Minefield Minefield is a second season episode of Enterprise that depicts the Romulans as having access to cloaking technology. This episode is set almost a hundred years prior to the early episode of Star Trek Balance of Terror. In Balance of Terror, the cloaking device is depicted as being relatively new technology. Therefore, on screen, Romulans seem to have a very different definition of what new and old are. There is an explanation given for this, but it is not depicted in canon. Rather, the non-canon book, The Good That Men Do, explains that the bird of prey seen in Minefield were experimental ships, similar to the on Bird of Prey in Star Trek VI, the experiments were deemed failures and it would take a long time for the Romulans to perfect the technology. That is all well and good, but none of that is explained in the show. 3. 
the Trill species. The Trill species were introduced in Star Trek The Next Generation in the form of Ambassador Odan, the new love interest for Dr. Crusher. He neglects to tell her that the Trill are a joined species and, when the host is killed in a shuttle, the symbiont is transferred to Riker. Later, the symbiont is again transferred, but this time to a female host, something that causes issues of its own. There are a number of issues here that are quietly ignored by the Trill of Deep Space Nine. First, Odan was on the shuttle as he was worried about the effects of the transporter on the symbiont. Second, Crusher is able to move the symbiont from Riker and then to the next host with little to no effort, a feat that would be marvelled in Deep Space Nine. Esri Dax further makes a point of this by saying that she would have preferred to only be a temporary host, but once a host and symbiont are joined, that's the end of it. Lastly, the Trill get a complete appearance overhaul. This is due to Terry Farrell. She is such an attractive person that the producers didn't have the heart to cover her in the heavy Trill makeup of the next generation. Thus, the spots were born. Two. Take us to Warp 13, Mr. Salamander. The Star Trek Voyager episode Threshold has many, many issues with the script. However, putting aside some of the obvious ones, let us look instead at the central plot of the episode, breaking the Warp 10 barrier. This actually goes back as far as The Next Generation. While the original series didn't have a set limit at the time, as the later shows would come to have, Roddenberry decided back in the early days of TNG that Warp 10 would be infinite velocity, meaning that to break this barrier, one would have to be everywhere in the universe at once. That's a bit of a jump from Warp 9.9, which is considerably slower than that. If it would take Voyager 75 years to get home at maximum speed, then breaking the Warp 10 barrier suggests that it works on an entirely different realm of physics. But if that's the case, how can the Enterprise D travel at speeds higher than Warp 10 in all good things? Now clearly, the writers just wanted to suggest that the scale had been changed at this point. But even if that's the case, perhaps Threshold should have upped their number considerably. Unless Admiral Riker, Ambassador Picard and the rest were all saved their inevitable salamander fate by the timely destruction of the ship in the Devron system. Who's to say? One. Women can't be starship captains. Star Trek The Original Series' final episode, Turnabout Intruder, is simply not good. It is remembered more for the accident of becoming the last episode than being the intended final word of the show. However, due to the cancellation of Star Trek, the last words spoken in the original series are, Her life could have been as rich as any woman's. If only. If only. This is after an episode where Dr. Janice Lester has been driven mad by the fact that she could never command a starship because she's a woman. Not a good look, Star Trek. Thankfully, this was quietly retconned by Star Trek IV The Voyage Home. The USS Saratoga is captained by a woman, played by Madge Sinclair, who would later go on to play Captain Silva LaForge of the USS Hera. Turnabout Intruder is perhaps best viewed as an accident. Gene Roddenberry himself stated years later that there was no defence. The final line of the original series was simply a sexist statement. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 